you are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today, we're going to look at more evidence to see whether the Bible is a book to be trusted or not. Hello radio friends. I'm so glad you could join me today as we can continue looking at the evidence to see whether the Bible deserves to be trusted or not. In the last program, we considered only a few of the many Bible prophecies. But in each case, those prophecies were fulfilled exactly as said, even though the prophecies were given hundreds of years earlier. Another evidence showing the Bible to be true and reliable is from the field of archaeology. The Bible includes much of the early history of mankind, and it traces the history of one race of people, the Israelites, or Jews, as we call them today. We need to ask, is what is recorded in the Bible true, or is it made up? Is it believable? Or unbelievable? Are the events, places and people recorded factual or just fiction? I'm aware that there are some, some sceptics who claim that the stories recorded in the Bible where names, places and events are given are not factual. The sceptics say that those people places and events did not actually exist. They claim that the stories were given not as fact, but rather to provide some moral teaching. Archaeologists, that's people who dig up old ruins, have found many things, including inscriptions on stones and preserved clay tablets which confirm places, people and events as described in the Bible. It was following the discovery in 1799 of the Rosetta Stone, a slab of rock which had three types of writing on it, that much of the ancient languages could be deciphered and understood. The languages were Egyptian hieroglyphics, which is picture writing, Demotic Egyptian, which is more like current Egyptian script, and thirdly, Greek. In many cases, archaeologists have found towns or even cities named in the Bible, buried beneath the rubble where no towns or cities exist today. Just a couple of examples. Firstly, in Second Kings chapters 1 and 3, it describes a tax, that's war, 
by the Moabites on the Israelites. The Israelites, or Jews, still exist today. But who are or who were the Moabites? Were they a nation or just fictitious names to enhance a story? In 1868, more than a thousand years since the described Moabite-Israeli wars, a stone was discovered at Dibon, Jordan, which described those attacks just as the Bible had described. A second example. The Bible also tells of the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, attacking Jerusalem in 586 BC. Some writings on clay pots and other clay tablets, now known as the Lashish Letters, found 36 kilometres north of Beersheba, have confirmed the Bible record. Third example. In 1948, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. These old documents also confirm the other books of the Old Testament. I recently heard of a find of an, on an inscription on a stone mentioning the name David. Some critics refused to accept some of the things recorded in the Old Testament, including there being an Israelite king called David. However, the discovery of this ancient inscription confirmed that King David was one of the Israelite kings. Another stone was found bearing the name of Abraham, who had been a nomadic clan leader. The Bible records several stories of Abraham and includes his ancestral line. You can read about Abraham in the Bible's first book, Genesis, in chapters 12 right through to 25. And so on it goes. The more archaeological digs being performed, the more evidence turns up confirming what is written in the Bible long, long ago. There are now thousands of artefacts, inscriptions and long-forgotten places unearthed by archaeologists supporting the biblical record. The archaeological evidence is undeniably powerful. So, if the prophecies have been reliable and archaeological records confirm what has been recorded in the Bible, it would convincingly suggest that the Bible is accurate and truthful. Now, there is another line of evidence pointing to the uniqueness of this grand old book. Although the Bible was written over a period of more than 1,500 years and by more than 40 different writers, there is a cohesive unity in what has been written. What does that expression, cohesive unity, mean? It means that the themes are consistently similar. 
For example, in the book of Genesis, chapters 5 to 9, is recorded the story of a worldwide flood. There are many people now living who treat this story with unbelief. Although there are many others, particularly in the scientific community, including paleontologists and geologists, who, because of their research and fieldwork, recognise that much of what has shaped planet Earth has been due to vast amounts of fast-flowing water, a mighty flood. The record in Genesis does not stand alone. The flood is mentioned in other parts of the Bible, although written by completely different writers and at completely different times. That consistency is also seen in how each of these different books making up the Bible speak about God. God is described as steadfast, mighty, compassionate, just, approachable and good. Another example of this cohesive unity of the book is this. The Bible does not describe God as fickle, dishonest or selfish. So in reading the Bible from the beginning to the end, the concept you get of God is always the same. There is a consistency all through. If one writer presented God as fickle and another presented him as steadfast, then you would have an inconsistency. But such is not the case. It indicates that each of the writers received his information from one source, despite the differences in times and personalities. Here's a list of other things which are consistent right through this ancient book. The sinfulness of mankind and the need for a saviour. God's intervention in human history through the provision of his son, Jesus, to be the Messiah. The facts about Jesus, including his miraculous birth, his sinless life, his death and resurrection. The continuing relevance of God's law. The mortality of human beings and the reality of death. The conflict between good and evil. The hope of eternal life. The creative ability of God and his plan to set things right. We'll have a look at some other evidences after the break. Precious Lord, linger near When my life is almost gone Hear my cry, hear my call Hold my hand, lest I fall Take my hand, precious Lord Lead me on 
precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I'm weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me all done and my race here is run let me see by the light thou hast shown that fair city so bright where the lamb is the light take my hand precious lord lead me on Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I'm weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. There are two more evidences I would like us to consider. Evidence that suggests the Bible is a book to be trusted. The Bible has described certain events and the personalities involved. Recent findings have shown that what happened was exactly as the Bible said. There is an amazing accuracy. In the second program, I referred to what the prophet Daniel had to say about the major world empires, where he gave the sequence of world powers, and what many people do not realise, animal-type symbols of each of their particular eras of influence. You'll understand this better when you think of the many of the sports teams, such as in Aussie Rules Football and their use of animal symbols. There are the crows, the swans, the panthers, and so on. In the book of Daniel, the Grecian Empire was described as a leopard with four heads. A leopard is a swift animal. Under the leadership of Alexander the Great, the wars fought by Greece were very quick and the conquest took place over a relatively short time. When Alexander died, at, the, at a young age, the empire broke up into four divisions, according to the description of the empire given centuries earlier. Four heads, four sections of the empire. Another example, you, you've probably heard that it was once believed that the earth was flat. Ancient maps showed this, and sailors were fearful that if they went too far out to sea, they might drop off the earth and never be seen again. In 1492, 
Christopher Columbus demonstrated that the earth was a sphere and set out to go east by sailing west. In doing so, he discovered the continent of North America. Although his voyage was not a roaring success, nevertheless he did show that the earth was round or spherical. Yet, 2,000 years before Columbus, in the book of Isaiah is recorded, and that's in chapter 40 and verse 22, that the earth is a circle. These examples show the Bible's unerring accuracy. The last evidence I'd like to present to you today is about Jesus the Christ, or as we say, Jesus Christ. From the first Bible book, Genesis, there is reference to Jesus Christ as being the one who had become the world's redeemer, the one who would break the chain of sin and would make it possible for mankind to live forever. You could say that Jesus is the constant theme of the Bible and the hope of mankind through the ages. But did you realise that among the many things said about him, that there are at least nine statements from hundreds of years prior to it all happening that were made about the last few hours of his life and relating to the time of his death and then about his resurrection. All those predictions were fulfilled, providing further evidence that the Bible originated from a supernatural source, God. Here's a list of those statements. I'll not give the Old Testament references today, but can provide them. One of them was that Jesus would be betrayed by a friend. Two, that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Three, that the money, the 30 pieces of silver, would be used to buy a potter's field. Four, that he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Five, that his hands and feet were pierced. Six, that his garments were parted. And seven, that dice were cast for his cloak. Eight, his last words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And nine, none of his bones were broken. 10. He was buried in a rich man's grave, and 11. That he was resurrected. I'd like to share more about this in a later program. Was Jesus Christ a real person? There is plenty of evidence from other non-Bible sources showing that he indeed was real. In summary, what has been presented to you today are powerful evidences of the divine authorship of the Bible and that it is a book that can be trusted. We may not understand everything in it, but based on its track record, there is enough evidence to believe it. To recap, 
We've considered the evidence from archaeology. We've considered the Bible's cohesive unity. We've considered the accuracy of the Bible, which is uncanny, and provides further evidence. And finally, there is that scarlet cord, the powerful evidence which permeates all the Bible about Jesus Christ. The evidence is there. For me, I don't need anything else. I know that what I believe from the Bible is not some blind and giant leap of faith or a grasping at a straw without evidence of its truthfulness. We're not asked to believe in something without a solid basis. The Bible is not some hatched-up story, a list of myths and fables, a product of some overactive imaginations. The Bible is supported by physical evidence. Through a reasonable examination of the pertinent facts, any honest person will find that everything stacks up. This book we've been discussing has a solid foundation of authenticity and is worthy of our attention. So that's it for today. Next program, I'd like to share with you why many in our society today reject the Bible. I hope you'll join me next time. Until then, I wish you peace, fulfilment, satisfaction, and God's special blessings.